Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast. I am your host, Chris, and I can confirm we are the podcast that absolutely endorses the idea of sending your coaches around each side of the pitch to give instruction as to what's to come next. I'm still, I'm still in shock that your intro last week wasn't anything about celebration police. Do you know, I, I was very tempted. I, I, I was very tempted, but I managed to withhold my, uh, yeah, my temptation. But um, yeah, less said about that, the better. Um, anyway, let's move on. Um, as you probably would have guessed, uh, we have Jez back with us this week. Uh, Jez, it's, it was a mixed weekend for you, domestic and abroad. Um, but how are you doing? Uh, yeah, just saying like we'll come to it. But the, the mess results probably of all the... Well, France scraping win against Scotland, but basically of all the sports matches all weekend, practically every single one went the way I didn't want it to go. But. Yes, Dem- Dems the breaks, as they say. Uh, and um, we don't have Phil this week because she has some problems with the old uh, French internet. Uh, Orange are in, the, are in the crosshairs for her, but we have managed to uh, scramble a, uh, a last-minute guest. Uh, it's been a while, but um, welcome back, Mr Adam Virgo. Adam, how are you doing? Yeah, very well. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. You are very welcome. Uh, I guess kind of a mixed result for you weekend-wise as well in terms of football, but uh, we'll try and keep it positive um, as best we can. (laughs) Thanks for popping on as usual. Right. We're going to start at the top of the league because we uh, we did plenty of uh, bottom fondling last week. So we'll start at the top and we'll start with PSG. Um, Jez, I'll I'll start with you on this one. We've been saying on this podcast for a few weeks months maybe years now uh, PSG are kind of flatter to deceive you know they they get wins but they're not quite convincing on Saturday night it was the sort of easiest prediction you could ever foresee in the, a very heavily rotated PSG side would go behind and they would probably do just enough uh, and then would would dispatch Lille and that is pretty much what happened Lille kind of ran out of legs PSG ran out 3-1 winners uh, really good opener from Musici after some very clever wing play from Thiago Santos, um, equalised by Ramos. And then what is class now is an Alexandro own goal from Fabian Ruiz's cross and a late third from Colomwani after sub Bradley Barkler popped on. Uh, I guess the question I have for you, Jez, is where are PSG at? Because they've got quite a big week ahead as they entertain Sociedad in the returning Champions League on Wednesday. What did you make of this performance with the caveat of a heavily rotated side and Mbappe, an unused sub? Yeah, I was going to say it wasn't really their first team. Um, and so considering that, I thought they performed quite well. But they started a bit slowly. And and yeah, Lille's opener was... was It was a nice move down the byline, but it was awful defending, or very soft, I thought, defending from, I think it was Beraldo. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it took probably both of PSG's first half goals it took pretty poor defending there as well for them to 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 take the lead. So I think even though it wasn't their first team, I think it was quite similar to what we've seen a lot of the season. I think that it is more of a more of a team than last year. But obviously with a few less stars and certainly with less creativity in the midfield, or certainly in the middle of the midfield, you've got, you know, it's quite a different style now when you've got um Barkler and Dembele so there's a lot more work down the wings especially when Hakimi comes back um, than sort of Verratti putting the strings down the middle um, yeah it feels more balanced than previous years but it just doesn't have the spark or the creativity so I'm still more willing to be patient with this PSG team than previous ones but I think it is kind of a transition period and although they should get past Real Sociedad. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't, and I can't see them going that much further in the competition. And certainly defensively, I still don't think they're they're close to good enough yet. No, no. I, I chuckled at um, a friend of the pod, Jonathan Johnson's tweet, because I thought of you immediately where he uh, mentioned um, that Esmond Dembele had one of his better games. And I immediately thought of you, and I sort of sat there thinking... Hmm. I wonder if wonder if you'll go missing again on Wednesday. It'd be interesting to see. Uh, what about yourself, Adam? You, you've seen PSG close up quite a few times this season, I would imagine, although they're not in the Friday slot much, but you've seen them plenty of times. What what do you make of what's going on there? Because obviously since sort of the, the, the Messi and Neymar-less side of this, this new generation, they have brought in Luis Enrique, he's a very established 
coach, but he's been brought in for one reason and one reason only, and and that is not to beat Lille at home. It's to win this Champions League, isn't it? So where do you where do you sort of see them going into this tie against Osiodad, given the the league form that you've seen from them this season? Yeah, I mean, it's I, I agree with Jez to to a lot of that. Is this? I think this is a transition period of a side that. You know, the signings that have been made are probably the signings that they should have made a few years ago in terms of just trying to develop a squad of players that can be always competitive in league, but then be taking that form from the French League into Champions League football. You know, they didn't, they really struggled on the road um, in the European group stages, which I think is a concern when you maybe look at, say, like the Newcastle game in particular, how sometimes that, that new squad and some younger players coming through can can sometimes struggle with that transition. Um, but I, I do think it, it, it's still a work in progress. I did them a couple of weeks ago against Strasbourg and that, that they were decent. They were, but as, as Jess said, I can't really remember too many times this season where they've been outstanding and really played for 90 minutes. They'll always give you a chance at the back. Um, but it's like always is, I, th- I think I've always seen now where else are the goals going to be coming from you know, without killing Mbappe. And I think that's something that they have to develop as a side as, you know, as the end goes near probably for Mbappe to be moving on, is that how can they now develop as a squad of players to score more goals between them rather than still relying on the one, even though he didn't play against Lille on the weekend. I was pleased that Ramos scored because I think there's a really good player there. But, you know, playing second fiddle, it's not been easy for him to find constant starts in the team. Yeah, yeah, agree with a lot of that. Of course, I forgot the uh, Strasbourg game. Indeed, you did do them quite recently, and that was one such occasion where they they ground out the results. Um, as as for this this European tie, let me get both of your opinions on this. Where do you see the danger coming? Um, start with you, Ed. Like, do you do you feel that Sociedad can hurt them because they're going to be right up for this, aren't they? In terms of atmosphere wise, and and it's their first venture into this competition for a number of years. They're going to be right right at them from from the off, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, from from the research I've done into them coming into the Strasbourg game, when you kind of see about, in terms of a tie, I think Paris Saint-Germain getting second place, I think this is one that they, they would have taken straight away. Um, but, like, Kieran Tierney's missing. I think they've got, like, seven or eight injuries that are, are really hampering them. Oyezabal's a player that's really attacking for them. who scored only six or eight goals. Um, but apart from that, they... I think Champions League football and their league form have been quite inconsistent this season. So I, I definitely believe that this is yeah, a game that Paris Saint-Germain can progress on from. I just always worry about the away leg. I just, I just always worry about PSG away from home sometimes and they've struggled this season. But I I really do think that, you know, having the home leg first is going to be vital for them. Um to, to get themselves a, a decent lead because they've done it against good teams. It's just when they've got away from home, Real Madrid, I can remember um, in previous years. But I, 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 I think that they've got enough to, to see this one over. To go and win the competition, I don't think they will do. However, I, I think they've got enough to go into the next round. Yeah, yeah, I tend to agree. And, and Jez, in terms of the that sort of on-the-front-foot attack type of style that they really need to employ in, in the home leg. Do you, have you got a preferred front front three, front four? Have you got sort of an idea as to who you would go with if, if you had the options? Um, I mean, obviously starting with Mbappe is an interesting what Adam said about, about Ramos not getting a look in. I think, uh, you know, everything will change after Mbappe's gone. But it, yeah, it's got to be a bit of a kick in the teeth for, for, for Ramos and probably also for Colomuani, that Enrique is now sort of converting Mbappe seemingly against his will into a number nine, whereas Mbappe prefers to sort of come off the flank or play behind a proper centre-forward. So the fact that um, that kind of maybe tells you everything that you need to know about what Enrique thinks about Ramos and Colomuani, or certainly the form they're in at the moment. Um, but yeah, it looks like Mbappe will start down the middle and and... I certainly think Dembele will start. Um, I think that uh, he is in decent form at the moment, and and his combination with with Mbappe um, generally is is very good. Um, and I think you know he's someone who's got the experience at, at this level, whereas maybe some of the PSG teams certainly going forwards don't have that. So we know that he's the type who's can sort of bring that spark 
Um, I'd like Barcola to start just because I think the the sort of two wingers is always quite exciting. And, and I think Sociedad are one of those teams from the little I know about them who, um, you know, are sort of very proficient with kind of passing it around down the middle. So I think maybe if PSG can sort of bypass that um, and just hit them down the flanks, I think that that will help. But yeah, I agree with Adam. I just think PSG just for whatever reason, the last couple of seasons look so shaky away from home that they really need to, and also we obviously know about the sort of that's kind of psychological barrier of of those matches the last few years where they have carried comfortable leads into the second leg and somehow thrown it away. So I think they really need to sort of go all out in this one and, and give themselves a really big cushion so there's none of those nerves this time around. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. From a slightly biased perspective, I'll be keeping an eye on their midfield. Uh, Zubi Mendy is is uh, certainly a player I'm quite keen to have a good look at in the flesh. But uh, yeah, on behalf of everyone on this pod, we all wish PSG uh, the very best of luck and hopefully there will be no slip-ups on this occasion. Um, do you want to move on to another team that we did we did feature fairly heavily last week, but given the fact that um, Adam got to see them on comms and they were playing the team that Jez supports, I feel like we, we should give Marseille uh, a little bit more airing this week. Um, Adam, you saw them, as I say, at the, at the game for for TNT, not BT, I have to get that right these days, um, on uh, Saturday, Friday night, Saturday night, Friday night, Friday, Friday night, getting the days mixed up. And there was sort of pre-game in the week, there was all the talk about Petuso, there was meeting with the supporters, it was classed as a, a friendly, but friendly meeting, but with a meaning, shall we say, the supporters were, were pretty clear they weren't happy. And I thought the boos at the end after the 1-1 draw were, were quite a thing. It, Jez and I were talking about it last week and we were saying that the tide is, is sort of turning slightly towards Gattuso again. But is is that fair? Is is it on him? Because these these aren't really... OK, he's made a couple of signings, but this isn't really his squad. He he talked about coming in and having to get the players fit. Um, it was a real sort of changeover from when he joined the club. Where What do you sort of make of them watching that full 90 minutes, albeit against a, a very, very battling Mets squad who I thought deserved the point in the end. But what do yeah. you make of Marseille? I, I mean, it's probably the team I've done most this season. Um, I did them at the start under the previous manager. Um, and, he, you know, he, he made an impact when he came in. And I think that's always good to see from a manager. But I think like many things that sometimes... That the cracks get papered over to a certain extent, but then all of a sudden they start unraveling. And and I do agree with you. This is not his group of players, um, and that there's never, well, there's never easy times at Marseille. There, there never seems to be anything that's happy about them. You know, the fans are always difficult to please. And I even said at the end of the game, I thought, considering they played the majority of the game with one less player, I thought they gave a fairly decent account of themselves. I think they just conceded a. A poor goal from second phase, which is always disappointing as a, as a former player. But um, I, I just think that what, what is their strongest eleven? That's the thing. You know, the midfield's a big miss for them. You know, Rangier missing, Condogbia is out. You know that that kind of midfield three that's been better too as well. It's been quite consistent for them. Them missing. Jonathan Klaus is a player we love, and I've spoken about him time and time again. But again, he's just been too inconsistent that. You know, he has to take a bit more responsibility that when he does play in a four, that, you know, he has to be better in that position. And Aubameyang is, is 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 very inconsistent. So at the moment, to me, he is working with inconsistent players. And I think that's where you're seeing inconsistent results. Whether or not he'll be here next season is, is another story. Um, but I just think they're a club that is just going through a, an inconsistent period on the field. And that's, to me, why you're seeing inconsistent results. The team has moved out the door a player that they brought in at the start of the 2023 thing, and it, that will be the finally the number nine that would score them the goals. Um, but I just thought it's it's just been a very, very difficult, inconsistent season again from them. Yeah, the, the Klaus thing was a really, really strange one. Seemed to have had a bust up in training and was going to be sold, and then all of a sudden he was back in the lineup. It's very, very odd, that one. From a, a Mets perspective, though, Jez, we were talking before we started recording, Decent point. Um, brilliant header, by the way, for the equaliser. Really love that. That was a proper avid type of header, wasn't it? But the, the desire 
that um, that Udol showed to get in behind, albeit static defending, I thought, from Marseille. But from a match perspective, away from home, albeit against a Marseille side that's struggling, you take that, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the only slight frustration is that playing an hour with a, with a man advantage, we didn't sort of push on and show a little bit more kind of faith in ourselves to 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 get a win but i think that was, it was seven defeats in a row so there wasn't there isn't much sort of faith in themselves left anyway um and i think yeah just trying to stop the rot and with everything that adam said now and we've said in the past about marseille it is still marseille playing at the velodrome i think coming a team like Mers coming coming from there with a point is always going to be positive whatever the circumstances and and although the other results around us didn't go our way at all this weekend um I think you know that's still a little something to to build off at least and and especially as those front two are kind of acclimatizing to to being back in France and back in the team um you know I thought at the start of the match they both showed a couple of bright sparks and then both sort of fizzled out a bit but at least there's something there and and yeah I think just just being able to come away from that with with a point still staying in touch with everyone else I think is something but I did feel like maybe if they'd gone for it a little bit more they might have been able to get something especially after equalizing with the fans getting a bit on the on the home team's back yeah yeah for sure just quickly actually while you mentioned it there um, Adam, the red card, I think for, for memory, I watching the game, I think you sort of felt a little bit like I did. It was a bit of a it's a bit of a weird sending off. Have, yeah. you cha- have you changed your mind looking back? I kind of have in a way. I've, I've watched it a couple of times now and I go, do you know what? I can sort of see why it was given. Anyone who hasn't seen it, it's a last man challenge. Yeah, I, I, listen, I, yeah I mean, I agree with you. I, I do think that. When when you analyse it two three days later, and you whenever you analyse it afterwards, you can certainly have a case. And and listen, the VAR and the minute it goes to VAR, the kind of the, the laws of anything towards football goes out the window because then it's just black and white in terms of what they've just seen that the breaking of the law um, for for any goal or or foul or anything that was given against VAR. Um, I I just felt that. Technically, he was the last player, but I felt that Jonathan Klaus was coming across to make the challenge. And I don't think it was a clear and obvious one where he, he basically got too tight to him and he got span. And nine times out of ten, to me, that's a yellow card. But where he was on the field, I, I can understand why the referee's given it, but I just felt that I, I, I assume the rules was that they're trying to stop this red card to, to stop the clear and obvious errors in terms of them going through on goal. And it's a clear, deliberate stop of someone scoring but I just felt that he just got too tight and span and I think what summed it up is that I didn't really see many of the Mets players surrounding the referee and you know claiming the red card or anything it was quite it was only it was they gave the free kick and gave the yellow card it was only until afterwards that he got a he got a call in his ear to say listen you need to go and look at the VAR um I've probably given more my players head and um of why I didn't think it was a red card but I can yeah I can certainly I can certainly understand it that Listen, if that was on the other foot, then and you're you're a Marseille fan, you you'd be crying out for for a red card. But I'd, I'd I'd go back to the point that Jeremy was making. I just thought the Mets just play within themselves, and I think they were kind of playing on a run that they'd beat not one in seven, and that confidence doesn't just come all of a sudden, and you dominate games even against ten players. But listen, this could be a significant point because they've got Montpellier, Lyon, Nantes, and Clermont next games. Yeah. They're they're the games that are going to decide whether they stay in the league or not rather than getting a point at Marseille, which in terms could be a good point if this run that they can go on against the teams in and around them, that they can pick up some wins. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I don't want to go too deep because I'm conscious of time, but just on the VAR, where do you stand in terms of, as a as a former Premier League footballer in, a, in an era that didn't have VAR, but as a pundit who now covers that both at home and abroad, where do you stand on how the French use it as opposed to how the English use it in terms of their leagues? Because it, it always feels quicker, more sleek, um, albeit some errors. And I do question some of the VAR decisions in France that are made within seconds and go, really? Could you not have had another look at that, guys? But there's quite a few incidents over this weekend, quite a few red cards. What's your view on, on how they implement it in, in France? I think they've had it a little bit longer. So I think that it's, 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 it's slightly more established. And I think they just... 
I think they just get to the nuts and bolts of it really, really quickly, a lot quicker than what they do in England. I think the fact that, I mean, I, I mean, this is me being naive, maybe a little bit. I don't know how much VAR is under scrutiny in France if a decision's given over the weekend, where in England it's VAR and then what the prime minister's doing. It's kind of above him of whatever decisions he's making. And in England, it's a massive, massive issue week in, week out. So... I think the referees in England now are under so much pressure and they're, they're taking ages on decisions, even offsides that when I've done games, you look at it, he's, like, he's offside. But yeah. um, I, I think that they're slightly ahead of schedule in terms of, I think they, they've slightly got it better. But at the end of the day, you're always going to have human error because it, we're, we're, we're the ones that have to decide on it. So it's never going to be 100% because human error will, will always come into play. But um, I, I certainly think that the... I think more often than not, they, they get the right results in the end in, in Liga. Yeah, for sure. Would you have survived in the modern era, to be no, honest? No, I, I've got nine reds in my career, and that was without VAR. So, Christ knows what I'd have got afterwards as well. Yeah, I think you, you, need to, uh, you need to take the Lewis Dunk approach, do it on the quiet and see what you exactly. get away with. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk about the other strugglers then, because we, we will come back to the top because uh, there was a very interesting derby. But just while we're on the subject of the bottom, um, let's kind of group these results together. So that point for Mets was was important, but as Jez alluded to, didn't go the way of the rest of the teams. Uh, let me start with you, Jez. Claremont and Brest drew one all. I don't think anyone saw that coming, particularly when Brest took the lead through uh, well, it was a bit of a perler, wasn't it, from from Lisa Malou from 20-odd yards. Um, and after Clermont got that equaliser, you thought, OK, that's one result. Lorient, I'm very happy to say, got a, a fairly convincing 2-0 win over Rams. Another goal for for Bamba, who's come in in 3-3. Three and three. He's hit the, hit the ground running delightfully. Um, and probably the biggest result of the weekend, or the two biggest results of the weekend, were Leon's win away at Montpellier, 2-1, coming from behind. Uh, Maxence Kakare with uh, a delightful long ranger, but I thought Lacazette's goal was really good as well. And Toulouse, who are now right in it, they lost to Nantes by two goals to one. Mustafa Mohamed back in the team, back on the score sheet after the Afcon, and Tino Caduera getting his first goal since joining as well. Tyus Delinga scores because he always does. My question to you, Jez, is. Um, who are you eyeing up as a Mets fan? Who are you looking at now and going, hmm, because we said last week that Toulouse and Montpellier were, were on the edges and were in trouble, but they're right in it now, aren't they? And and Leon are up to 13th and they're almost looking over their shoulders the other way now. Yeah, I mean, I I always thought Leon would get out of it. Nantes are the ones that, that surprised me at the weekend. They're the ones that, if I had to put any money on any of them sort of getting sucked in, I would have thought it was them. So I think that, that was a, a huge win for them. And obviously, on, on the flip side, it sort of pushes Toulouse down there. Um, Montpellier are the surprise ones. I still think their team is is much better than than where they're placed. Toulouse, I think they've just sort of shot themselves in the foot by getting rid of so many important players in one go. So I'm not as surprised that they're struggling, but I don't think they should be. Nantes, I still think, will slip down. Um, but... As you saw this weekend, there's they've got a couple of goal scorers there that, that I think they they deserved the win overall anyway. But um, someone like Mohammed, and especially you know now used to it from having having a couple of relegation fights with Nantes already, um, he's got the sort of I think the personality to kind of stand up and and score the important goals to to kind of keep them safe. Um, so, yeah, by rights, I think it should be Nantes, maybe Toulouse. Montpellier, the ones that I don't think should be there. And so that's, the, in a way, the most worrying one. And you said it was a good goal by Lacazette. I mean, I I love Leconte. I think he's a great keeper, but that was really bad goalkeeping. And, and um, when someone like him is kind of, you know, it might just be the one mistake, but if he loses his form, then again, they, they really could get into trouble. Um, I think we talked, I can't remember which keeper we were talking about last week. Maybe it was Dior or Clermont who came up with a massive save at, at the end of at the end of the match this weekend against Brest. And I think that often, you know, whatever happens in the middle of the field, it off, that often can be the difference. The, the, the points that your keeper might be able to sort of save for you and the, the sort of free points that your your striker can get you by by scoring, you know, 
10 goals or a dozen goals at the end of the season. And, and obviously, again, from a mess point of view and from a Lorient point of view, as you said, Bamba scoring three and three, even Caduera scoring for Nantes and mess. That is the one area where we did strengthen by bringing Mikatalsi back, but he hasn't played for six months and we need him to to get back to top form and find someone who's actually able to provide him with service as quickly as possible. Yeah, that's the concern, isn't it? Mikatalsi is going to take a while to get back up and running. But um, what, what's your perspective on this, Adam? That you've been watching this thing, I think, um, if people don't know, you've got a bit of a soft spot for Leon. I know you and I have talked a few times and and have rolled our eyes at Leon a few times this season. But that result, I think I'm right in saying that was their first win from behind all season. Um, and uh, they did show some grit and determination. I agree with Jez, it, it was poor keeping from Lecomte. But when you've got a player like Lacazette who can take a touch away from a defender and, and create the space like he did, you almost deserved that goal just through that alone. And when you're getting goals like that from, from Kakarai, you, you thank your lucky stars. So if we consider Leon to be pulling away from it are you are you like Jez quite surprised by the likes of Montpellier to lose potentially not still being in that that trouble spot because they're all three of them are pretty decent squads on paper yeah I'm I'm, I'm going to probably throw a spanner in the works and I think La Havre as well is going to be another one that even yeah. though I think they've got a little bit of a points cushion um I just feel that the, when I've seen them play I just I just worry about where the goals are going to be coming from in terms of is one that never really been fully convinced on him. I know they've got that little bit of a points gap, but I just I just feel they just won't. They, in, in too many games, they don't score goals. I think it's about seven or eight or nine games now where they've had quite a few nil-nils. Um, but I think that they would be a team. I think I think Strasbourg would be be okay, probably up to 10. I know we're going quite far up the table, but I've just got a feeling about Le Havre, um, where they are. Um draw a lot of games but you know they got a late equaliser against Lorient a couple of weeks ago which um, survived them of a point so I, I think probably up to them I, I, I would be looking down from, from them really and I think they're ones that could easily drop down quite quickly um, but I thought it was a big win for Leon. I really did I, I worried second half against Wren a couple of weeks ago when I watched when I when I worked on them um, it was almost that good form all of a sudden it's like actually that they've been back to normal Um but I, I think they'll just have enough to get out. But where that leaves them for next season, I have no idea. I mean, that's just a that's too far to look ahead and too scary to think about, really. Um, but I think I think they'll just have enough to get out. But yeah, Toulouse have probably overachieved the last few seasons. European football as well. It's 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 always difficult that balancing act. I remember Nantes a couple of seasons ago, um, being in the Europa League and then really almost being relegated. So they, these kind of smaller sides with European football to, to have had European football to contend with as well, um, you're probably seeing the, the sidelines of that, that success is great, but then they've, they've had to deal with that as well. Um, so I, I agree that, you know, especially Montpellier is surprising as well. So it's great in terms of watching from a distance, but um, I'd, I'd, I'd probably throw Lav on there as well as a, as a spanner into possibly looking as a, as a relegation candidate. Yeah, yeah, I must admit, I looked at their result. They lost at uh, home to Ren uh, in quite a close fought game. Benjamin Borrego with the winner. I looked at that result and I thought exactly the same as you. There's always that one club that you think, oh, they'll be all right. They've yeah. been playing some nice football. They've scored some nice goals and then they sleepwalk down the table. It's almost like what Palace are doing in, in England or um, what uh, Sevilla were doing in Spain. They just You just think they're too good, but they just keep sliding down the table. So... Yeah, um, I, I share that share that concern with you as well for them. Um, elsewhere, a couple of results that we're not going to go into in huge depth, but props to Lens, who continue their good run, a 3-1 win over Strasbourg. They are flying up that table. I mean, technically, they're not actually moving because they're just consolidating, but to be sixth from where they were at the start of the season is quite impressive. Eli Wahi back on the score sheet. There's some... Um, Really, the first two goals were lovely, really nice. They were, goals. yeah, intricate. And all three goals involved all three of the front three, if you know what I mean. So yeah, was, yeah, that, that was really positive for them. That second, it was a double one too, wasn't it, between Wahi and Da Costa? They sort of played each other back and forth and then Da Costa finished it. It's a really good, really good finish, that. And Satoka, slight error between goalkeeper and defender and Satoka does what he does, flicking it over. He's like the, sort of like the the the, the wish version of Giroud. 
That sounds a bit harsh, but that's how I see him. Uh, <laughs> former Mets man Thomas Delane was the goal scorer for Strasbourg, but no dice for them. And that, I think, leaves us with the one other game I wanted to discuss before Adam has to leave us, which was Nice-Monaco. Um, I don't know if both of you saw this game, but I watched it live on TNT last night, and it was absolutely batshit, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> nice 2, Monaco 3. Nice reduced to 10 men, Dante sent off. I can see why it was one of those again. I thought it was really harsh. I Yeah, I did. It's, it's one of those, isn't it? In slow-mo, it looks worse, whereas in reality, it's just mistimed. He does catch Minamino quite high on the shin, but it's one of those where he's just, he, you know, he, what is he, 40 now, Dante, 39? He just yeah. got there. He just got there a second too late, and unfortunately, it resulted in a red card. But before all of that happened, Dennis Zakaria, of all people, had turned full messy and, and slammed one into the net from 25 yards to put Monaco in front. Laborde equalised with a penalty. Zakaria scored his second with a, a really nicely timed header for Evan Gesson uh, equalised. And then wouldn't you know it, Alexander Golovin goes up the other end and wins it for Monaco three minutes later. Um, we had, I alluded to this at the start of the show, we had coaches being dispatched by Farioni around the pitch to give advice on corners. Uh, we had goalkeepers making sliding tackles on the edge of the box in the last minute. Uh, we had the red cards, we had the yellow cards. It was all going off. What did you um, what did you make of this, Adam? And, and does this give Monaco the psychological advantage in this chase for, for second place and Champions League qualification? Yeah, I, I thought it was a big result for Monaco. Um, being beaten in the, the Coupe de France, um, which was a you know it was a massive den for them in terms of combat. I, I really liked them at the start of the season. I thought they were a great watch. Um, loved the way that they were playing. Ali Huta was a manager that I was always really pleased to see uh, um, be given that opportunity. So I liked him at Frankfurt and I just felt that the way that they were playing. Um, I, I've not been a great admirer of Nice this season. I can't argue with their <laughs> where they are in terms of their performances. I thought their best one was against PSG, which was the, the capabilities there. But I just felt that, you know, every, whenever I get a call sheet with Nice's name on, I'm like, oh God, it's just like, it's just a real hard watch. And, you know, they got found out a little bit that, you know, they, they don't score many goals, but yes, they keep clean sheets. And yes, the red card was harsh, but I, I think this could be a huge result for Monaco in terms of momentum and confidence. Yeah, agreed. Um, I think the quote you've used a few times is, I'm not having Nice. <laughs> 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 Always enjoy that one. What did you make of this, Jez? It was, it was a proper... It was a proper throwback game, this, wasn't it? Like, there's a little bit of needle. It obviously is a technically a derby. Um, it, it was one of those that once you got that, you, it needed the early goal. And once Zachariah put put that that long-range shot in, it, it opened the game up. But it, it showed a different side of Monaco, this, didn't it? It showed like a real battling side to them where they could easily have folded at that 2-2, but they went again and, and got the winner. And Golovan pretty impressive on the night again, I thought that it does show that there is a different side to Monaco, I guess, is, is how I would put to you. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, it's sort of classic Monaco this season. Like, you look at their goals for and against, they're comfortably the second top scorers after PSG, and they got 40 goals. But only five teams have conceded more than them. So in terms of sort of just number of goals that they're involved in, per match like if you want to see goals they're the team to watch but as Adam said normally Nice definitely are not the team to watch if you want to see goals so I don't think anyone saw this coming with how mean Nice have been and the recent form the Monaco have been in but I suppose you know Monaco have got enough class hats within their team and and uh I I've said enough times I haven't been convinced about Golovin but he and Minamino when they've been fit and playing this season have been brilliant. And you now that Golovin scored the last one, Minamino, I think, set one of the goals up as well. Um, that's, you know, they're thriving, I think, under Hutter's more sort of attack-minded play. Um, Zach Zakaria, I think, I suppose it's just one of those, you know, it's almost like a Turam, Lillian Turam sort of thing where, you know, one match in your career, you're suddenly this amazing goal scorer. And I guess it was Nice's bad luck that that it was in this derby. Um, but yeah, I, th I think for Monaco, it feels like mostly how I felt about them all season. They're going to be great fun to watch. But yeah, I, I just I don't know if they've got the sort of 
strength of character to maintain that throughout a season. But this is really positive because I wouldn't, as you said, I wouldn't have expected them to sort of, you know, come back a third time after being pegged back twice, especially at Nice in a derby. So I think it really bodes well for the, the rest of the season. And they're now only a point behind Nice as well. So in its own way, it wasn't just a derby. It was a kind of six-pointer in terms of sort of those big European places. So Nat and, you know, they, they've got quite a few players coming back from, from the African Cup of Nations as well. So they're, they're really well-placed. They should be able to push on. But they've still got Kara in their defence. So he didn't have the best night, did he? Yeah. And and by the way, I just needed one more corner from that game and I, I would have made a decent sum of money. So thanks to both of you for not getting that one extra corner for me. Much appreciated. Uh, Adam, just before you uh, leave us, I just wanted to um, give you an opportunity to, uh, I was going to say plug yourself, but you can, you can go to websites for that sort of content. Um, more plugging your um, appearances, obviously with TNT, any upcoming games you've got going on. And just your overall thoughts, as here we are on February the 12th, as to where you feel Liga is this season and, and what you're looking forward to in the uh, the coming months. Yeah, I've got Leon Nice on Friday. So I've got, yes. I've got that game Friday, which uh, I, I Leon, a, Leon, uh, a Leon fan at heart and a, a Nice team that I'm not particularly favour of watching. So, um, but yeah, so I've got that one on the weekend. Um, I've... It's it's a league that I've I thoroughly enjoy watching. I I you know the content of young players coming through, um, the the willingness for them to do well in Europe. You know I'm desperate for Ren to beat AC Milan. You know those kind of those games that I look at. Um, that when I look at the league, um, PSG are always going to be there because of the money and the finances. But I I look I look at more of that. I just look at a lot of the young players now that have been. You know, scouted by Premier League teams and and teams in the big big leagues, and that and that shows a great level that that is what the French league is best at is the best league for me in Europe of producing these young players, giving them game time, um, where you would not get that anywhere else. Um, it's fascinating. I think that the title race aside, you look at second, third, fourth, fifth, Lance back in it, and sixth. Those tight schedules are going to be brilliant with the extra Champions League pace. I, th- I think so, and even at the bottom, it is so tight to call, and that's I think that's what gives it a great edge as well to to have a great February onwards. That I'd say the league's done and dusted, but for the rest of it, it's, it's anyone's guess. Yeah, absolutely, couldn't agree more. And it keeps us able to uh, to have a chat about it each week, which is always a bonus because it keeps us on the airwaves. So uh, yeah, good stuff. Uh, well, enjoy Leon and uh, um, probably not Nice on Friday. <laughs> uh, I'm sure we'll have you back on when uh, time allows for you with the, with the schedules and everything. But thank you very much for joining us. Much appreciated. Adam. Cheers, guys. Thank you. No worries. Take care now. Cheers, mate. And Jez, that just leaves you and I to uh, wrap things up. Um, let's have a look at the um, Ligue 1 fixtures ahead and then do a little bit of Europe and a little bit of Coupe de France, shall we? Uh, why not? Um, so the fixtures upcoming for the weekend, um, as Adam's alluded to, the Friday night game. Uh, on paper, it should be a decent one if the right Nice turn up. But so, uh, yeah, Leon against Nice at the Group Armour on Friday night. Uh, Lille against Lave is one of the games on Saturday. That's the early game. And Nantes against PSG is the evening game. If there was ever a time Nantes would probably want to play PSG, it would be now. So that'd be interesting. Uh, Strasbourg against Lorient is the early game on the Sunday. Well, I should be watching that one. Monaco against Toulouse for very different reasons at both ends of the table. is one of the two o'clock games. Montpellier Metz is rather big. That's the Jetsville derby. That's also a two o'clock game, as is Rennes against Clermont. And then Rouse against Lons is the afternoon game. And Brest against Marseille, uh, which all of a sudden has uh, some quite interesting um, connotations behind it. That's the Sunday evening game. Uh, Jez, do you want to do Europe first or do you want to do Coupe de France first? Uh, Let's do Europe. Okay, cool. Who? <laughs> so PSG aside, we know about them. Who are you looking out for in the Europa League and Europa? I think the Europa Conference playoffs are this week. I think I'm right. Yeah. Just very screw. quickly, by the way, just Rass have not. You obviously beat them at the weekend. That's four matches in all competitions that they haven't won. So they are struggling. Yeah. 
uh, yeah. They have uh, they have fallen off uh, proverbial cliff a little bit. Um, yeah. Still, still well, so over. I was, looking, I was looking at Marseille. It's again, it's just classic Mar Marseille in crisis. And yeah, they're drawing too many matches, and they got knocked out of the cup. But that Lyon defeat was their first league defeat since early November. Mm. Oh, and, mind record like that. And yet, if you, I think I treat it the same. If you, if you look at it from a points perspective, it's three from a possible twelve, and that sounds so much worse than what it actually is. So yeah, yeah. I'm completely with you. Yeah, hundred percent. It's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? Um, what are we thinking then, as far as Europe goes? I'm just going to get the fixtures up uh, while I'm talking to you right now. But um, yeah, what, I think what... this is sort of, in a way, this is classic league at in Europe. Like before the last match day, obviously I'm pleased about one of those because it was Brighton finishing ahead of Marseille. But a lot of the French team seemed sort of in a very, very good position to qualify automatically. And now, although this must be some kind of record in terms of the number of French teams sort of through to, you know, out of the group stage, mm. you could conceivably see all of them losing yeah the, the, that's true the, the playoff yeah um so like marseille start at shakhtar although obviously it's not at shakhtar or not at donetsk which it's maybe in... gives them a bit of an advantage so that's probably arguably on paper maybe the the kind of most comfortable tie that, that a french team has yeah. um but you know they're going to be competitive they're going to sort of spook Marseille. And as always with Marseille, you feel like if they don't get a good start and a kind of lead in the tie, then they they might struggle. Um, but I would still expect them to go through. Loss against Freiburg, mm. I think it could be really... I think it could be just... Again, I would expect Loss to go through, but Freiburg are, you know used to kind of holding their own in the Bundesliga, which I think is a, a fantastic, probably underrated league. Um, so I, I think that's great. I mean, if I could probably, if I had to, if I was forced to, not forced, that's the wrong word, but if someone said to me, you're going to go to the home and away leg of any of these ties, that's probably the one I'd go to. Apparently Freiburg is absolutely beautiful and there's always a good atmosphere at Bundesliga matches. And you know, home home match, especially Europe at night at last, is going to be amazing. So that one, I think, would be quite exciting to watch both legs of. Milan Rennes, I think, probably is obviously the you know as French teams go in this in this round. That's the sort of standout one. I still think, as I keep saying, that Rennes have actually you know, despite I think they're now sort of five wins in a row or something like that. I still think they've been disappointing this season, considering the squad they've got. And Milan, Milan. And mm -hmm. you know, always special to go to the San Siro. They've got Giroud, Hernandez. Who else is it? Adley, Mag Magic Mike, Adley. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So a big French contingent there. So I think that's that's going to be interesting. They're sort of they're kind of comfortably third in in Serie A. They're sort of not challenging the top two and not being challenged that much by anyone behind them. So they can really focus, I think, on the Europa. So that could be tough for Ren mm -hmm. in the uh, Johan Gorkufiko. <laughs> uh, and then Benfica to lose. I think that, that's going to be tough for Toulouse. I think yeah. you know, Benfica is such sort of, uh, you know, so got so much experience of, of playing in Europe and Toulouse, you know, their focus really needs to be on, on staying up and not mucking up all the good progress they've made the last two three years so i would expect benfica to go through but yeah to be honest although if i had to put money on it i'd say marseille and Lens to go through i i could see all of them losing and i could also see Rennes bringing a surprise and qualifying so yeah. i'm strongly sitting on the fence but i think there's going to be some great matches and just worried that at the end of it we're going to be as frustrated as ever yeah i do agree with you it's weird how there are so many teams that as you say it seems like a record amount that, that are in a good position but at the end of it are we going to be horribly let down again i think i think ren probably are the ones i'm keeping a close eye on just because i think like you i expected a lot from them at the start of the season it didn't go according to plan 
And then Julian Stefan's come in. I think I've read somewhere it's eight on the spin for them now, which is absolutely bonkers in all competitions. Um, and they just look a different side now. So that's probably the one. But like you, I, I sort of feel, to use a, a philism, I, I sort of I feel like there might be a little bit of chaos between Marseille and Shakhtar just because I, I think it. I think Shakhtar are, are very motivated and I think Marseille kind of need this European run or arguably even more than the league league form to improve because I think they've got a real chance in this competition if if things go their way. So in yeah, a sense I, the the European form has been a lot more consistent. Yeah, Mayang has kind of was playing well in Europe before he was playing well in the league. They, I think they're well, they're unbeaten until the until the last minute of the last match or the group stage. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah, be interesting to see what happens. And those games are coming up, as we say, this week. So uh, check your local listings, as the cool kids say. What about Coupe de France then? Because um, uh, unfortunately, I, I think I think one of Phil's predictions didn't come off in spectacular fashion, unfortunately, in this this round. And there were a couple of other results that were surprising. One of them, one of them uh, being attached to Monaco. What was the what was the review of the, the last round of that uh, particular tournament for you? Yeah, I think um, I guess the the highlights would be that uh, definitely Monaco going out. Okay, it was on penalties, but they went out to third tier Rouen, which yeah. clearly is it's just simply not good enough. And and you know until that huge result of the weekend, um, that's Hutter was already under pressure even more so after that match. So I think they can sort of. Um, breathe a little bit of a of a sigh of relief there. Um yeah, Phil predicted that Social might spring a surprise against Ren, Ren the six long winners. Um, you know, as you said, Ren eight matches, eight wins in a row. One was against Gangon, I think one was on penalties, and and one was against Social. So um I'm gonna do my usual Stefan's not as good as all that, but yeah, I do think that needs to be put into a bit of context but again that they're you know they can definitely beat anyone on their day um and they've won the cup in recent times and they are one of PSG's bogey teams so um for me they're they're probably second favorites Lyon um I don't know if it's a sort of truism all over Europe but often sort of when you're looking at teams to do well in in Europe, you're looking at team and in cup competitions rather, you're looking at the ones that are sort of finding form sort of into the new year. So I guess in in that sense you have to kind of put Lyon into that bracket and beating Lille, okay, it was at home, but it was, you know, that's that's a decent result, I think. Mm. Um Nice is still there, actually managed to score a few goals. Um Strasbourg, I think again, sort of also did they win it recently or they got to the final recently? Got to the final, didn't they? I think my brain is falling out of its head. Yeah, I'm sure they got to the final, didn't they? It definitely rings a bell. So, yeah, good pedigree there as well. And then, obviously, you've got your your little teams as well, like Le Puy, who's mm. fourth tier, sprang a surprise beating Laval, and Valenciennes, who beat uh, Saint-Priest, who are sort of one of the Lyon regional teams. Um you know, Valenciennes, I've only got half an eye on now just because um, Anthony Knockhart's there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's nice to still see a couple of couple of the smaller teams there, even though you'd expect at some point that that they'll kind of drop out and, and the big guns will be left. But looking at the, the draw for the next round, I mean, Lyon-Strasbourg um, and PSG-Nice are obviously the standout ones, the, the all-league-out ones. Um, I mean, PSG Nice, I guess, is the real standout, obviously, like um, two of the top three, top four this season. Uh, Ren, away from home, but have got lucky. They've got Le Puy, who are the, the smallest rank, you know, the lowest ranked team left. And then Juan Valenciennes. It's quite nice that we know that we're definitely going to have a non league A team through to the semi finals, where no doubt they'll get drawn against Ren. Yeah. So, so you know, it's it's a nice group of of teams left. There's a you know two or three strong teams, a couple sort of still trying to find their feet, and three sort of um, non-league teams, and and that's what we've come to expect in in Coupe de France. Like 
better kind of representation from non top tier teams than than you get in the supposed F magic at the FA Cup. Yeah, yeah, which have been thoroughly, thoroughly dull this season. I have to say, but I barely have watched any of their games. If I'm completely honest, uh, I'm, I'm calling it now. Uh, Leon will end up winning it. I don't know why. It would just be. It would just be the most Leon thing ever, wouldn't it, for them to have such a terrible season and end up winning it? Uh, I did, I did kind of overlook the fact that PSG is still in it. I do forget that from time to time, but yeah, I'm, I'm just going to stick my head, stick my neck out uh, for Leon to win it, which means they'll probably lose seven nil in the in the next game. So look out for that. Uh, but yes, next fixtures. Do we know when the next round is? Actually, is it in th- three weeks? Is it? I think it's three weeks time. Um, um, it sounds watch. like a big break. It does actually, yeah. Let me just check. Uh, there we go. The fixtures are the 27th, two weeks' time, 27th. Yes, I will be, I'd love to say sunning myself, but no, I will still be in a foreign country at that particular point in time. Um, but yes, 27th, 28th, 29th, and then PSG Nice is on the 13th, uh, I guess, because of European commitments for those two. So, yeah, there you go. Excellent. Yeah, stuff. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's midweek. And... Yes, yeah, th- uh, th- yeah, 13th of March. I think it's a Wednesday. Is it a Wednesday? Yes, Wednesday. There you go. So, yeah, they'll get their European ties out of the way and then they will do battle. So uh, we will, of course, keep you across those games and all the games uh, across both Liga and the domestic competitions and, of course, Europe, which we'll have to discuss next week, uh, depending on which games you are interested in most. Um I think that'll do us for this week, though, Jez. Um, best of luck to you in the Jezville playoff on uh, Sunday. Um, are you confident or are you really not confident? Well, you? What do you think? <laughs> I'm going to go with the pessimistic, Jez. Um, but if you were ever going to play Montpellier, probably now is a good time because they, they did look pretty rotten in, in that second half yesterday. So, you know, sorry, Phil. But anyway, uh, we'll see what happens next week. But thank you very much for your time this evening, Jess. Much appreciated. Thank you. And uh, all being well, we should have Phil back. Uh, internet providing, uh, or internet providers, I should say, uh, assuming next week. But uh, whatever happens, we will be back to discuss the week's European action and indeed whatever happens in Liga as well. So whichever game you are watching, whichever club you follow, enjoy your French football. And we will speak to you very soon. <laughs>